I think that a lot of parents feel ill-equipped for the task of parenting in general, and ill-equipped specifically for the task of forming kids in a way that, that makes them desire to follow the way of Jesus. This is the God in All Things podcast, rooted in Ignatian spirituality and seeking the presence of God in the everyday. Here's Andy Otto. Jared Boyd is a pastor with the Vineyard Church in the U.S., spiritual director, teacher, and founder of the Order of Sustainable Faith, a missional monastic order for the 21st century. And he's the author of Invitations and Commitments, A Rule of Life. He and his wife have four daughters and are planting Franklinton Abbey, a new faith community on the west side of Columbus, Ohio. Jared's most recent work is his new book, Imaginative Prayer, a year-long guide for your child's spiritual formation. Jared, thank you for being with us and making the time. Yeah, my pleasure. It's good to meet you, Andy. So there are lots of things I'm curious about, um, and certainly about your book. And the book is, is clearly Ignatian. It contains 36 imaginative prayer meditations for children. Um, you're not Catholic, but you've you've been influenced by St. Ignatius. How did you initially get connected with Ignatian spirituality. Did you ever have contact with the Jesuits at some point? You know, uh, just just through reading. Um, you know, I'd never really, um, you know, met a, a, a lot of Jesuits. I think I've come across a few just in conversation at retreats and that kind of thing. But I really came, came at them through my own training as a spiritual director. Um, so I went through our spiritual direction training um, through Sustainable Faith, which is, I'm now a teacher of that program. And it was through that program that I came across um, Ignatian Spirituality, um, the, you know, a number of the books that we use in our second year of the training really are grounded in Ignatian Spirituality. And with that, I went through the 19th annotation, uh, the nine-month journey of the exercises. And so... Was really transformational for me. Was there a was there kind of a, a key moment of grace for you during the exercises that that just stays with you? Yeah, actually, there's one meditation um, where Jesus is, is telling the, the parable about about the workers in the field, and you know, the imaginative kind of experience is to kind of put yourself in, into the shoes of the person who has spent all day long, you know, working in the field, uh, only to find that you receive the same amount of pay as the person who just worked two hours. And then I think a day or so later, you do the opposite, where you imagine that you are the, that you are the one that has come in you know, like three o'clock in the afternoon, you worked for a couple hours and you got a full day's wage. And there was just something about that for me, that man, I mean, um, I mean, it doesn't take long actually even now for me to get emotional about just the, the grace that I experienced in thinking and realizing and knowing like, wow, like it's all grace. It's all grace. And so I think for me that's one of the that's one of the exercises that really stand out to me about the uh, the Ignatian journey. Hmm. No, you, your your book is is targeted for parents um, or educators uh, praying with with children. But you know I found that 
when it comes to imaginative prayer, it, you, often adults sort of lose their imaginational dexterity, you know, as you get older. It's, it, it sort of comes naturally to children. Um, as a spiritual director who, you know, perhaps encourages people to pray in this method, in this form, um, how, how do you, I think it's hard for some people. I, I don't know if you find that, but, but what's, your, what's your advice on sort of how to get started praying with your imagination? Yeah, I mean, I um, I love the phrase, by the way, imaginative dexterity. I mean, I, I think that really sums it up. And and maybe before I answer your question, I'll just say that even for me, so I studied philosophy in college, and um, it's a pretty rigorous program. And I just I, I think I found as I entered adulthood that a lot of, um, like you said, what had come naturally as a child, um, kind of just disappeared for me um and then it kind of reawakened when i started having my own children and i began to watch them play and um so i think you're really hitting on something is that and then this is kind of why i wrote the book is i just realized that man my girls they have no problem uh entering into a story and playing for for an hour that that they are for example um you know, uh, on on the set of Little House on the Prairie or something like that. Um, and I'm just not really built that way. So, so I guess as I answer your question, I would just say it's actually been quite a challenge for me to uh, to regain some of that imaginative dexterity, as you call it. And I mm. love that phrase. And I think one of the things that I do as a spiritual director um, is I'll just I'll just lead people in the practice without actually telling them what I'm doing. And so like hmm. in a spiritual direction quite, uh, session, for example, if I sense that that a particular passage could be um, beneficial for someone, I'll just launch right in and just say, hey, why don't you close your eyes for a moment? And imagine with me that you are the blind beggar on the side of the road. And I'll just launch in with them for about 10 minutes and then and kind of almost like um, baptism by like fire and immersion right away. <laughs> so that's what I have found as a good introduction tool. Well, it seemed like that uh, in your introduction, you talk about this moment with one of your daughters, um, you know, at bedtime. And you you do kind of, without explaining it, kind of launch into that imaginative prayer. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that about that story? about you were, why you're, you were trying to tell her about God's constant presence? Yeah, yeah, that's actually just uh, probably just another real moment of grace um, in this whole process that really opened up some things for me. And, you know, as I, I have a pretty, you know, pretty good bedtime routine for my kids, um, tucking them in, singing a song, saying a prayer. And there was just one particular night, I think it was actually during the time that I had been going through the exercises and I just was kind of longing and searching for ways to help them get in touch with with the grace that I was experiencing and so I was just trying some things out and one of the things I tried out for one of my daughters was was this question of like like and I'm just trying to get a sense of like what what's what's her headspace around life with God conversation with God I think she was probably 10 or so at the time and I just said, if if Jesus were right here next to you, sitting on your bed, tucking you in, you know, what what is it that you would want to say to him? 
And it was just this great moment where I'm just kind of waiting patiently, kind of posturing my my presence there as a spiritual director. And I just kind of thought she fell asleep. And mm. But as I got up to get away, she says, I would, I would ask him to lay down with me. Mm. And really quickly, I just shot back and whispered in, into her ear, and, and what do you think he would say to you? And she just right away said he would say yes. And man, I think I walked out and like went to the bathroom and started weeping. I mean, mm. just like if, 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 if I can help kids like touch into kind of this this way of relating to God that is just deeply emotional and deeply vibrant um, I just I just feel like that is gonna last for them a lot longer than than what I had as a kid lasted for me I, w- I want to ask you about the the subtitle of the book <clears throat> Uh, a year-long guide for your child's spiritual formation. And the key word that stood out to me is is the word formation. You know, there's some richness to that word. You know, we often hear the word catechesis when, mm-hmm. when it comes to children's religious education, which can sometimes seem kind of dry or doctrinal. Um, was the use of the word formation intentional? Because that seems to kind of be a part of the spirit of what you went about in the book. Yeah, it was actually really intentional. In fact, that's probably the um, great, graciously, you know, IVP was so great to work with on this book. Um, but when we were working around titles and subtitles, um, that was like the key term that I kind of said, like, that's got to be in there somewhere. So find a way to put it in, you know. Mm. And and they did. They did a great job of that whole process. Um, so I originally actually set out this project, the original name of it, um, was called Reimagining Catechism. And, um, and it was kind of my effort to try to do some theological work with kids and some experiential prayer work with kids along the lines of, of catechism. Um, and as you point out, you know, our traditional catechesis process is generally very doctrinal driven, propositional, statement driven, um, belief driven. And just through various things I've read, I, I talk quite a bit about James K.A. Smith's work. He was at Calvin College. And just about what actually forms us as people and forms us into the way of Jesus. I just don't think it's actually rooted in what we believe. I think it's actually rooted in our experiences of God and what we make of those experiences. And so, um, yeah, that word formation has been, has been pretty... Uh, pretty important to the whole process for me well you even you even mention um you quote pope benedict at the beginning of your introduction uh he says christianity is not an intellectual system a collection of dogmas or a moralism christianity is instead an encounter a love story it is an event I, I love that because I think we're sometimes not good at at, at doing that uh, in any kind of catechism, um, you know. And, and that's this is a huge Jesuit or Ignatian principle is about this personal relationship, this personal encounter with the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's really. Um, the, the thick thread through the book and that's really where I, I lean heavy on 
um, you know, the exercises of St. Ignatius and Ignatian spirituality is that I, I think actually that, that what we believe, um, like m most of what we as, you know, as Orthodox Christians would hold to, I think it's actually pretty important and lots of people gave their life uh, for, for things that we now take for granted. Um, but I think that the traditional kind of catechism material, um, you know, that we might find in, you know, the Heidel Heidelberg Catechism or, or, you know, the Catechism of the Catholic Church even, I think that should be like a later stage kind of um, process. Like, you know, maybe late teenage years, early 20s, hmm. rather than um, a like early childhood or middle childhood developmental thing. Rather than starting with it. Yeah, rather than yeah, starting with yeah. it, I think we should start with experience and uh, trust. And now the, 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 the hard part about this, and this is, I think, what, you know, what a lot of, a lot of people get, you know, quote unquote, concerned about is that, you know, can we trust our experience? Right. Um, and I had this, I had this, uh, something happened about three or four months ago with one of my other daughters that really you know, drove this home for me. I was, um, you know, she was, we just recently moved in the past uh, 12 to 18 months and she's just having a hard time with it. And I occasionally just check in with her about how she's doing and what she's praying about and, and, um, you know, whether she is sensing that God is with her. And I asked her once, you know, you know, just kind of off the fly, like, Hey, sweetie, what are you, what are you talking to God about these days? She's like, well, I'm not really talking to God. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, well, tell me more about that. She's like, well, it doesn't really feel like a conversation. Mm. And I said, okay, I understand that. And you know, she she was emotional, and I was just sitting on the step with her. And I said, well, I tell you what, why don't we just see right now if we could like pray? And I just wonder if maybe God would say something to you right now. And so I had these high hopes that maybe God would like, you know, man, just pierce her heart with like His deep love and kindness and as soon as we head into prayer, you know, I asked her, uh, I said, well, do you, do you sense that maybe God is saying to you anything? And she says, yes. And I said, well, what? And she says, when I asked God whether he had anything to say to me, he said no. Hmm. And she just burst out into tears. And I'm like, you know, trying to hold back something in me that wants to try to correct her view of God or... But then I realized, you know what, like, like I've had that experience before. And so rather than try to, you know, exhort her to believe, you know, hey, stand on the promises of God here, or I just entered into that with her and I said, man, I'm so sorry, that must be really hard for you to hear that from God. And I think it built a ton of trust with her. And while nothing awesome happened in that one conversation, what did happen is I know that she knows that she can talk to me about about whatever her experience or lack of experience of God has been like um, without fear that she's going to get corrected, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, think that's, I think that can be a temptation of those of us who have grown up with um, understanding a certain way that we're supposed to relate to God, um, it, as you said, to correct. You know, I, I find that sometimes people 
feel that they can't be angry at God and they mm. have to hold back what their actual real experience is. Um, so it's, it's beautiful to be able to teach a child that you can, you can share anything to God. And when your daughter said that God said no, that's, that's communication. Uh, that if God's, God's right. saying something to her for some reason, I once heard a spiritual director the other day say, uh, talk about one of his directees and uh, the directee uh, said, uh, he, he said, what's your relationship like with God? And she said, I hate God right now. Mm. And he said, great. That means you're, you're in a, some kind of relationship with God. You know, That's let's right. start there. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. And that, and, and I, I think to just maybe riff on that a bit is that, you know, that woman that you're describing, like that's her present experience of God, but she is, ex she's having an experience. Mm -hmm. And that was my daughter's experience of God. She had the experience of, of God's not present nature. Um, which, you know, all of us who are like, um, in our, you know, thirties, uh, we've got lots of stories where we feel like God hasn't been present. So why shouldn't my 13 year old have the same experience. Um, she's navigating things. And so I think this larger question of like, how do we catechize and how do we train and form? I think we form through this kind of close attentiveness to uh, the experience of God. And that's basically, I'm trying to uh, help parents kind of wrap their mind around that, that this is an alternative way of thinking about the formation of children. pause a moment here and say that ways to bring Ignatian spirituality to kids I think is super important. It starts them off first with an experience of God, something many of us don't get as children. At IgnatianResources.com we sell decks of ponder cards which have thoughtful Ignatian style questions to prompt deeper reflection. But we also have ponder cards kids edition which is designed for parents or adults to ask their kids thoughtful questions like, what's your favorite thing in nature? Or, did you share a smile with someone today? Or, if you could ask God one thing, what would it be? These are great for the dinner table, car rides, or even the classroom. And for adults looking to pray in the Ignatian way, check out our new four-week downloadable series for small groups called Encountering Jesus. There are suggestions for daily prayer, and at weekly gatherings, there's a chance for faith sharing, and you're guided through a major Ignatian meditation from the spiritual exercises. Audio meditations are included. Check out all of this at IgnatianResources.com, and if you are a first-time customer, use the promo code PODCAST at checkout for 10% off. Oh, and by the way, at the end of the interview, stick around, and I will guide you through one of Jared's imaginative prayers from his book. So the your book is uh, is divided into six parts, which have which are basically sort of theological themes, and then each of those parts have uh, six meditations. And I'll just read that the themes are God's love, loving others, forgiveness, Jesus is the, Jesus is the King, the good news of God, and the mission of God. Um, do you see your Do you see this book? as a replacement 
to any sort of Sunday school or religious education, or do you see it as a supplement to it? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I think this is a supplement to it. Um, this is originally imagined as a two-year catechism process, imaginative catechism, effectively. And the target range is anywhere from fourth to sixth grade. And there's this really sweet spot in the development of children where they're still young enough and childlike enough where the imagination is still really active and they're willing to try new things. And yet they're developed enough where they're able to really wrestle with ideas and concepts sometimes that are... um, you know, not kind of immediately graspable. Um, so you get into second grade and maybe some of what we're trying to do isn't quite uh, as sticky. And then you get into like eighth grade and they're not really that interested in like imagining themselves into the story any longer. So I do have some supplemental material on the website where uh, it turns the book into a nine-month curriculum for like a Sunday school class, for example. Mm. And Mm. the vision is that churches could adopt this um, during the kind of, um, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth grade years. Um, And my intention is to do another another book uh, with 36 more imaginative prayers and uh, nine months of material that deal with other uh, theological themes um, to kind of round it out. Because there's some things here that I would I would love to go into that I just didn't have the space. It's already a 300-page mm-hmm. book. So, yeah, well, I wonder if you could just sort of um, walk, walk us through sort of the format um, of, of each of the um, each of the lessons uh, prayers as you call them, um, and you know what, how you imagine, let's say, a parent, for example, sort of going through these with their children. Yeah, that's great. So um, each section, um, you know, and the sections are the six kind of major theological themes, has six imaginative prayers and one review week built in. So basically, each section is like a seven-week unit. And um, each section begins with a, a, a section called Connection Information, and it really lays out the purpose of, of why this particular concept or this particular passage of scripture is important um, experientially and or theologically. Um, And then, uh, and that's really for parents to kind of, you know, answer the question like why this material and not something else. Um, And then the second section there would be the actual imaginative prayer. And this is really laid out like a script um, that you just read out loud to your child. And so the, the material asks for 30 minutes of focused time once a week and then kind of five minutes a day um, of kind of follow-up conversation with your kids, just little little droplets of questions mm-hmm. and, and ideas. Um, and the script, I mean, it literally reads like a script. Like um, it starts with say out loud to your child and then it tells you here's what you say out loud. Um, right. And it even has um, built-in uh, instructions for how long to pause in, in between your reading, just because I think the pacing of leading these prayers with your children is actually really important. It gives them time to, to kind of flesh out what the picture and the story looks like in their imagination. Um, 
so after the imaginative prayer, there's um, another kind of short kind of Q and A. Each each uh, each section has a question and an answer, kind of a a throwback to the old catechism style. Um, so the first the first lesson, the, the question is, what is the most important part of the story? And the answer is, the most important part of the story is that God loves so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this... And would you, this would be something that you have the child sort of repeat back to you? Yeah, yeah, kind so of in a cate- catechesis yeah. kind of mode. Um, and then all of the answers to, to the questions uh, throughout the entire year, they form what, what I've called a creedal poem. Um, which is at the very beginning of the book. And so the, the idea is that at the end of nine or 12 months or however long it takes you to lead a child through this, that each week they're memorizing a sentence, um, though that's not the goal. The goal is more the experience. But if, if you've got kids that can memorize, that's great. That by the end of that nine months, they would have this this poem memorized that would then kind of jog the memory for them about the imaginative experiences. The the first imaginative prayer, um, titled "God's God loves so many things," reminds me of the Ignatius's meditation on the incarnation, mm. where God's looking down onto the goings on in the earth, and you know, in this prayer, you ask uh, you ask us to imagine that you were flying into the air, and and we see all that's going on in the beauty of the earth. Um, and I, I love that. I don't know if that was an int- intentional, if it's connected to the meditation on the incarnation. It, but... it, it wasn't, but man, it sounds huh. good. I mean, um, <laughs> it, you know, sometimes we don't know where we pick things up. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that um, given that I wrote these, um, you know, a couple years after I went through the exercises, I'm sure that that had an impact on me in some way. Um, I suspect that, you know, uh, there there is like much more of Ignatian spirituality in this book than I actually intended because of, mm. of its impact on me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even the, um, the, you said sort of the follow-up with the parent and the child, um, just asking the child the question, what are some things in the world that you think are beautiful? And then is there anything about that thing that tells us something about what God is like? Um, I can I can see the influence from your own spiritual direction training. I mean, it's a very spiritual director question. It's open. It's uh, inviting. Um, it's almost kind of a spiritual direction for children in a sense. Yeah, I mean, that's actually like the, like if, if you pan back, you know, um, even wider, the, this, this volume and the one that, that I hope to write in the future, God willing, is really an overview and an invitation for parents to become their child's first spiritual director. Mm. And um, I think that a lot of parents feel ill-equipped for the task of parenting in general and ill-equipped specifically for the task of forming kids in a way that that makes them desire to follow the way of Jesus. Um, Even just, you know, some of our, our our chatting prior to recording was kind of like, you know, this uncertainty when we have kids, like, are they, are they gonna, are they gonna want to follow Jesus? Um, mm-hmm. So I was just trying to, to create 
just a really usable framework for parents to say, you know what, I, I can do this. Um, I can shift my life in ways that open up really great spiritual dialogue with my kids. What would you say to, um, to adults who, who have heard about spiritual direction or curious about it? Um, for you, what, what is the value of spiritual direction? Yeah, I, I think um, having somebody that I know that I can talk to once a month who is going to help me really pay close attention to my, my life with God and my conversation with God has been just transformational for me. Um, I, I'm often surprised at what my spiritual director reflects back to me, you know, um, and it's really revealing that, um, you know, he just sits and listens and then he says, you know, I heard you say this and I'm like, I, I did. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's so revealing. It's just that when we have a space where we can be completely honest about what's happening in, in our life and in, in our life with God, um, and then we, we kind of have that mirrored back to us. Richard Rohr talks about this, this gift of being mirrored. Um, it's just really helpful. And it then just creates context for, for more prayer and, and articulation in my life with God. So it's definitely been completely shifting for me in the past decade. Hmm. You, you wrote in the introduction, and I think it's very Ignatian, that we're defined by our longings. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, you know, that's really um, James K.A. Smith, his work, um, uh, Desiring the Kingdom, is one of his books. And um, the other one is uh, You Are What You Love. Um, and it's this idea that what we get formed most by, and this is his research, and, and I think he's done a good job bringing this um, kind of to the popular thought because it's very philosophical, but um, is that really we get formed by what we want, what we long for, because what we long for ends up having us do particular things um, without us even realizing it. So our habits are the thing that actually end up forming us. And our habits are formed by by what we want, by what we long for. So Mm. if what we want, for example, is to be entertained, if that's really like there's something deep within us that wants to be entertained, it will form in us a habit of, you know, watching TV or, um, you know, staying up too late. Um, and basically what James K.A. Smith would say is that we need to think about what we truly, truly long for and want because that's the thing that's forming you. And if you don't know what that is, it's forming you still. And so, um, I can't recommend enough his his book. You are what you love. It really goes into mm. great depth of this. So. Yeah, I, the, I, certainly the the word that I'm very familiar with in Ignatian circles is desire. Yes, uh, longings or desire. It's that deep desire within us that uh, decides how we live our life and, and what we do. Yeah, in in ways that we don't even realize. You know, like I look back on, you know, so much of of my twenties and. And much of the activity of my 20s was driven by a desire to be seen, you know. And um, and to be able to look back and to name that now is is one of the gifts that spiritual direction has been for me. Mm. As we start to conclude, I, I um, you know, 
as I said, an important part of Ignatian spirituality and, and the spiritual exercises is that personal friendship with Jesus. And Ignatius says we can speak to Jesus like a friend. Mm-hmm. Who is who is Jesus to you? Oh man, you know I think that our in general our our answers to that kind of question are going to change. And so the answer I'm going to give right now is is probably particularized to my present experience of Jesus, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been I've been spending a lot of time in the Sermon on the Mount recently. And um, man, I just, as I study the Sermon on the Mount, I just fall deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. Because, so I think that who Jesus for me is now is like this older brother prophet who is showing the way to live an abundant life. And um, there's such a deep invitation in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, all the way from Matthew 4 to Matthew 8, that, um, like, I just, like, it just, like, what I what I sense, like, rising up in me is, like, man, Jesus, I want to be like you. And so, in a really real way, not like in a, you know, oh, I, you know, I, what would Jesus do? Or, like, not in any kind of moralistic way, but just kind of in a, like, man, if I could just, like, get some of you in me, um, I think my life would go better. And the reality is, is, is I already have that. I carry the Holy Spirit of God in me. And, and so, um that's how I would answer that right now, Andy, um, given the reality of, of my present experience of God. <laughs> we'll ask you again in a year. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, it might be different, right? <laughs> different, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, that's the beauty of the spiritual life. Yeah. It's dynamic. It's, uh, it's, it's ever-changing uh, to, to your own life, life circumstances. Um, what, what is the best way that, that people could f- learn more about your work, uh, including the religious order that you're forming? Yeah, so um, the, the book website is imaginativeprayer.com, and there's um, some videos there, uh, me talking about the book, and if you click through, there's actually um, a video example of me leading a group of children in this in this imaginative prayer. And, um, you know, you can order uh, cases of books there, and when you order a case of books, um, the nine-month curriculum is is free. And so I just really want to partner with churches, and um, and so would love to provide that curriculum for free. Um, and then in terms of the religious order, the order of sustainable faith, um, people can just go to sustainablefaith.com, and uh, we have a school of spiritual direction through sustainable faith, and uh, the order is kind of one of our our streams of expression there. Great. Jared Patrick Boyd is the author of Imaginative Prayer, a year-long guide to your child's spiritual formation. Jared, thank you so much again for uh, taking the time to share your gifts with us. Uh, Man, my pleasure, Andy, and um, just really enjoyed talking with you today. Thanks, man. Let me now guide you through one of Jared's imaginative prayers from his book. This one is a lesson from part one on God's love. Close your eyes and let's take a few deep breaths together. God, I pray that you will release our imagination and help us to hear you speak to us during this time together. 
We open our hands to you. We open our ears to you. Come, Holy Spirit. Close your eyes and imagine with me that you have the ability to fly into the air. Imagine with me that you can fly like Superman. Where would you go? What would you go and see? Imagine that you fly into the air and that you watch as the ground gets farther away from you. You feel the wind pressing against you as you fly faster and faster. Imagine that you begin to notice how beautiful things are. You notice how beautiful and green the grass is. You notice the leaves, and you look across and see a great number of trees blowing in the wind. Off in the distance, you see a body of water, the ocean, and you make your way toward the coast. Imagine now that you dive into the water, and somehow you are able to breathe underwater. You are swimming with thousands of fish. There are bright orange fish all around you, and they are beautiful. You swim past an octopus, a sea turtle, and a group of dolphins. You are captivated by the beauty around you. And then you see a big blue whale swim right in front of you. You are surrounded by God's beautiful creation. There are so many things here beneath the water that God loves. Imagine now that you swim to the surface of the water and fly into the air. As you fly, you feel the warm sun dry off your body and you begin to think about where you should fly to next. Fly fast. Fly fast across the ocean and visit the beautiful mountains of France and Switzerland. Fly to the beautiful Victoria Falls in Zambia. Fly to the great rainforests of Brazil. There are so many places in this world. There is so much beauty, so much of God's creation. There are so many things and places that God loves. Imagine now that you fly straight up into the air, breaking through the atmosphere like the space shuttle. Imagine looking back and seeing the earth get smaller and smaller. And it is beautiful. Look back at this planet. See the blue and the green. Find the reddish-brown land of the southern part of Africa and the white polar ice caps. All the people who have ever lived have lived on this planet, and they have been loved by God from the very beginning. Keep your eyes closed and imagine that you are floating in outer space. You see the planets. You see the bright red glow of Mars, the perfect rings of Saturn, and a million zillion stars shining their light. Everything here is beautiful. There is so much that God loves. Fly now down to the earth. Fly as quickly as you can and go to your favorite forest. Imagine that you are in a forest with tall trees and there are beautiful flowers that line the forest floor. Listen to the birds sing to you. Watch as little animals gather around you. 
squirrels and foxes, owls and rabbits. Imagine walking through the forest along a path, and imagine that path is coming to an end. You reach the end of the path and there are two roads to choose from, one to the right and the other to the left. Stand there where the path splits into two. Which way do you want to go? Pick a trail, the one to the right or the one to the left. Imagine heading down that trail, and you can see that the path is coming out of the forest and into a clearing. As you get closer to the clearing, you can see that it is a giant field of purple and yellow flowers, nearly as tall as you are. Imagine walking into the flowers. Notice their beauty. Pick a flower and smell it. Take in the smell. What does the flower smell like? What does it feel to be surrounded by such beauty? Imagine walking through the field of flowers. Feel the cool breeze blowing through. Notice how blue the sky looks. The world is a good place. There are so many beautiful things here. There are so many things to explore about the story of God in the world. The most important part of the story is that God loves so many things. For more on imaginative prayer and for a link to purchase Jared Boyd's book, visit the post that companions this podcast at godinallthings.com.